Welcome, welcome. It is Monday, September 4th, 2023. I'm Gabriel Hernandez for comicalopinions.com. For our US, US based uh, readers and fans, we it is Labor Day. So hopefully, if you uh, work hard, as we all do, that you'll take this opportunity to kind of rest and reflect and remember why you work so hard uh, for whatever reason. Hopefully, it's a good one. And I wish you the best. Have some barbecue. Enjoy the warm weather while it lasts because we're getting into fall. And uh, let's get into it. So today's op-ed is based upon uh, probably not one of the best examples of why we read comics or why we love comics, because last week was pretty rough. We had some good comics. We had some great ones. But we had some stinkers, some really bad ones. And it behooves us to kind of stop and reflect as much as we reflect on how hard we work for Labor Day to reflect on the comics that we read, both good and the bad. And today we're going to focus on why some of the comics are bad. And not necessarily the structure or the detail of why they're, they're bad, but just how do we stop it from getting to the point where you're getting a comic in readers' hands that they paid money for, and the collective reaction to that comic is, Ugh, oh no, why would you? Why would you do that? Why would you print this? Uh, so let's get into it. So I'm a I'm a film fan. As much as I love comics, I also love film as well. I've, I watch movies all the time. I, I love all kinds of genres, everything from documentaries to classics and everything in between. And, you know, for better or worse, I love classic uh, Clint Eastwood movies, both the Westerns and the uh, crime noir stuff, especially when uh, Clint Eastwood gets into the Dirty Harry era of his films. So when we were talking about this op-ed and trying to put it together, the this quote comes to mind from the end of the classic 1978 Clint Eastwood film called Magnum Force. And at the end of the movie, uh, the uh, Clint Eastwood, who's playing dirty uh, Harry Callahan, is confronting the last villain who's getting away from this sort of cadre of corrupt judges who are be who become judge, jury, and executioner for criminals on the street, play played by the fantastic Hal Holbrook. And as he gets in the car and drives away and he thinks he's gotten away with it and dirty Harry's not going to get him, the car blows up because dirty Harry left a... <laughs> bomb in the back seat. Oops. Uh, and a as the car is going up in flames and the last bad guy is taken down, uh, Harry says this one line. He says, a man's got to know his limitations. Now, I'm not going to try and do an impression. I'm terrible at impressions. I'm not going to go for it. But but that's that line always stuck with me. Uh, and the reason it sticks with me is because we all have limitations. Uh, in, in whatever facet of life you want to talk about, we all have limitations. The shame is not having limitations. There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of our humanity. That's part of what makes us who we are. The shame is not recognizing our limitations and choosing to do something about it, either taking a step back and asking for help when it's something that we know that we can't take control of or something, some challenge that we can't overcome within our own capabilities or in our own expertise, or just saying, you know what, let's not do this. <laughs> let's just put it aside. Let's switch gears. Let's do something else. Having limitations is not a problem. It's part of humanity. Where it becomes a problem is when we refuse to acknowledge them and we refuse to level up and overcome them or get the help when we need. Sometimes that means taking a step back either to just not do it at all or just take a pause, take a break, and find the time to get the help that you need, one or the other. Unfortunately, that trickles down a lot into comics, both DC and Marvel. And we've got a few examples today, three in particular, 
And sometimes bad things come in threes, even though sometimes good things come in threes. Today we're going to talk about bad things coming threes. And two, three comics that we we reviewed last week, both for Comical Opinions as well as the sites that we um, contribute to. Uh, in this case, Weird Science DC Comics, because we've got uh, two DC comics on the on the on the list. And the reason we wanted to bring these up is because understanding your limitations, understanding what is a good idea versus a bad idea, when you should push forward, when it should not, is everyone's responsibility from the publisher all the way down, the editors, people who are involved in marketing, the writers, the artists, everyone who's involved in printing that comic has a responsibility to understand when they've got a good idea and also when they've got a bad idea. And in particular, when they've got a bad idea to know when to say when, to say no, to say stop. <laughs> take a break let's take a pause maybe we don't do this right now whatever rationale you want to work out in your mind you have to know when you've hit that limit to say we're trying to do something and it's clearly not going to work we're we're at the end of our rope and we've got to do something else so with apologies i'm going to name some names i'm going to name some publishers as you can already guess so let's talk about three examples talk about where they went wrong or at least at a high level why they're terrible comics and and, and then we can talk about the connective thread that, that binds them together. So bad things, yes, sometimes they do come in threes. First one we're going to talk about is Night Terrors, Night's End, number one. This is the end of Summerween, as our weird science colleagues like to call it. Uh, it is the end of the Night Terrors event. And by by any measure, it's a terrible event. The story is often contradictory. Writers that are writing issues within the main arc are, even though it's the same writer, in this case, Joshua Williamson, contradicting himself from one issue to the next. The tie-ins have very little information from the creators that are writing those tie-ins. So they're writing generic nightmares or sometimes nightmares at all. It doesn't work. And then by, you get, get, by the time you get to the end, which is this is the last issue of the event, the whole thing falls apart. Uh, things that were set up in the beginning don't come to pass. Some rules that were established either at the beginning or midway through uh, are, are ignored or just are, are passed on in a different direction. Um, and then the ending essentially becomes a lead-in to other events. You have a lead-in to, uh, I think, Beast World, which is a Beast Boy-centric, Titan-centric event coming up. And also, uh, I think, a little bit of Gotham War. And also the upcoming stuff with uh, Wonder Woman a little bit is mixed in there as well. So it turned out to be an event that was poorly constructed, poorly put together, didn't hold any kind of consistency from one end to the other. And all the tie-ins didn't match up with what was going on in the story. And then when you get to the end, it sort of falls apart with a nonsense ending that it was just really designed to lead into two other events that are, in one case, starting the very same day. Um, and what makes it worse is because Dawn, DC Comics is trying to start this Dawn of DC initiative where they have titles that have been sitting on the shelf or characters have been sitting on the shelf that were just starting to gain momentum with new creative uh, uh, talent. And they put a stop to all of it to insert this event when if you peel back the layers, it really didn't need to be a big event. It's really just a Batman, Dead Man tie uh, team-up book that could have been two or three issues and be done with it. It didn't need to be a line-wide event that stopped everything that was going on and it just turned into a mess. So what's the problem? Well, several. So you have poor communication, right? Because the tie-ins didn't work. You have poor consistency because the story wasn't architected well. And then you have a poor strategy because this interrupted Dawn of DC, which is just starting to get momentum, to put this event in place when it didn't need to be a line-wide event. And, and you know, sorry to say it for Joshua Williamson, this is the third event in a row I can think of in just the last year where he was tasked to be the lead architect and the third one that he was given that f completely flopped. I mean, if you count uh, Dark Crisis, 
uh, I think uh, there, there was a little bit with the Lazarus rain or the one right before that, and uh, this one as well. I mean, just a mess, just a mess. So this was an example of somebody, Jim Lee, Marie Javins, somebody should have said, stop, let's think about what we're doing. We're, we're clearly not handling this properly. Let's take a step back, pause, rethink our strategy. And that didn't happen. Uh, next up is the end of one event at literally on the same week starts and to lead into a new event, which is Gotham War. The first issue comes out on the same day Night Terrors ends, which is not good planning. And we're just going to leave it at that. But in effect, if you read the, read the issue, and I have links to the reviews up on this well on this issue as well, so you can go back and you can read the full review to understand our perspective on that. What's happened is Batman goes to, is in a coma for eight weeks. He wakes up and he finds out that crime has dropped considerably in Gotham City, and so he goes to you know he talks to the Bat family. He goes looking around to Commissioner Montoya and, and trying to figure out what's going on. And, and what happens is Catwoman puts out a signal to get, gather everybody together for a meeting. He says, well, okay, so what's this about? In that eight-week period, somehow, without any explanation, without any setup, without any details of how she managed to pull this off, Catwoman forms this, the best word I, I can come up with, and I think this was the intention, is she forms a union of henchmen where she pays the henchmen better than the criminals that they normally work for, like Mr. Freeze or Joker or Riddler or whoever they're, they're, they normally work for. She pays them better. She trains them better. And she says, here, here's what you do. I want you to become a better class of criminal. You only rob from the rich. You break into their penthouses and you steal from them. That You keep most of the spoils. You pay us our dues. And you don't you know, mug any poor people. You don't you know, beat up or, or otherwise harm violently uh, any, um, any poor people, any disadvantaged people. Just stick to the criminals because if they're – or stick to the rich people because if they're rich, they're obviously evil. You know, believe, you know, for whatever reason, that's the message coming out of that. Uh, and, and, and somehow doing that magically, crime drops by 75%. The math doesn't work out. The structure doesn't work out. And Catwoman's request is basically, this is working. I'm making Gotham a better place, which is better than what Batman's doing. And she gives him the little Twitter speech about uh, using his money um, to, instead of helping people to basically beat up poor people uh, while he's going around acting like a, a buffoon. And so she says, well, just stay out of my way. That's all I want you to do. And then everybody loses their mind. But for whatever reason, Strange as it sounds, Batman takes a hard no. Of course, he does. But the Bat family, with the exception of Damien, they all seem to kind of either stop and reconsider their mission or they get firmly on Catwoman's side. The whole thing is a mess. The timing is poor. It's not set up. There's no. There's a lot of tell, don't show. And the Bat family, for them to get on Catwoman's side that easily, really speaks to how poorly, uh, and this is a joint effort between Chips Zdarsky and, and Teeny Hunter, how poorly they understand those characters. And it's a mess. And so right off the gate, there's very low anticipation for this event. You give us this first issue, which is essentially a prologue issue. And, and it's just people are losing their minds because it's, it's so ridiculous. And Catwoman really comes off as screechy and unreasonable and not making any sense and ugh, just a bad way. So this is, again, another example where the creators may have had an idea. And I think there's a good idea at the center of this where Batman might be challenged to reconsider the way he's going about solving crime if he's shown a better example, but the better example is never really shown. It's told and you're just supposed to swallow it, even though the way it's told doesn't make any sense. But if they, if they had done it better, if they constructed the example in a better way, 
you would have had a better understanding of how there could be a different approach to solving crime in Gotham. Batman might have been challenged for his worldview. And there's an interesting idea. But the construction of how they got to that idea is, is a mess. It's nonsense. So that's another example of where somebody said, well, I have the idea, but I don't have the structure to get there. Or I don't have a structure to get there that makes sense that people will believe. And this would have been much better uh, handled if they just taken a step back and said, let's think this through. Clearly, Zdarsky and Howard did not think this through. So that's another example of knowing when to say when. Third one, this one, oh, oof. Uh, Deja Thoris, Volume 4, Number 6 from Dynamite. This one break, break my, broke my heart. This this whole miniseries broke my heart. It's terrible. I mean, terrible. There is... There's no plot. There, this, the pacing and, and plot progression and structure is, is completely missing. Uh, and the art is poor. I mean, really poor. I mean, below pro standards for what you would expect coming out of uh, a, a mainstream recognized publisher. It's just not good art. And so the problem is, so the way Chuck Brown, who's, who's the writer, set it up is, well, this is pre, before the time uh, Deja Thoris meets John Carter. And he says, well, we're going to have an adventure where the Chaldeans invade Helium, which is the capital city of, of Mars, drive Deja Thoris and her, uh, and her helpers out and they go on this adventure while they try to gather allies so they can return to reclaim the throne. That's the, the, the general setup. But they meander. They never really accomplish much of what they want to do until the very last issue. And then the last issue literally ends with her gathering the allies. And then it's at the end. They never go back to Helium. The Caldanes are still in control. All the people of Mars are under the oppressive regime of the Caldanes. And it just stops. It's over. It's done. And then you have this really kind of inadequate art that goes along with it. It's like, wow, everything about this is bad. The story's bad. The pacing's bad. The, the, the plot progression is bad. The character work is bad. The dialogue in some cases is bad. And even the art is bad. And it's just, there's nothing good about this. This never should have gone to print. Uh, all three of these, none of them should have gone to print. But in this one in particular, just, this is a heartbreaker because we love, I, I in particular love pulp characters, pulp heroes, uh, I love uh, classic uh, sci-fi stories, especially from the classic uh, sci-fi writers, like um, uh, like Robert. This isn't Robert E. Howard, but um, uh, uh, but but you get the idea. So uh, I don't even know where to start with it. But this is another example. And if we're talking about all three, what what is the what is the what is the common thread between all of them? In all cases, unless you're blind and deaf and can't read. And don't and, and and lack basic communication skills both in verbally and in print. You had to have seen that these were going to be terrible comics. You had to have seen that these events were going to be terrible. In all cases, the best thing to do was to say, "Hit our limit. There's a limitation there. We need to stop. We need to take a step back. Figure out what's the right approach. What's the better approach? And I'd rather delay." And get out a better pro better comic than try to rush it through to meet a schedule, and put out this kind of garbage, which is really the realistic word for this. This is, this is all garbage. So I'm reminded of another quote I talked about. I started off with uh, Clint Eastwood. I'm going to end up with uh, legendary Nintendo game developer Shigeru Miyamoto, and this is a quote that got passed around a lot uh, in the past couple of years, but uh, it's it bears repeating because it is very true. A delayed game. This is talking about video games. A delayed game is eventually good. If you can continue to focus on it and make it better, a bad game is bad forever. Well, the same thing applies for comics. 
uh, a delayed comic is eventually good if, if as long as you keep working at it and a bad comic is bad forever. These comics that I've shown on this will be bad forever. And that's, that's the problem. So the message here for the op-ed is know your limitations or, or you're practically guaranteed not to be successful. You just got to know when to say when. So that's the op-ed for today. Uh, please leave a comment down below, share, subscribe, all, all the good stuff, uh, and uh, leave a comment. I want to know what you think. Uh, give me another example of you know a comic or even a video game, since we're making some video game quotes, of where things could have gone better if people just stopped, understood that they hit a limit, and, and needed to recognize that they needed help, or they needed to get a different person on the job to make it better. I, I want to hear what you had to say about them. So that's the op-ed for today. So let's move on to other things, take a brief pause, and let's head over to the uh, written newsletter. Hopefully you like this video version, but if you don't like the video version, of course, the written version is at, um, go to comicalopinions.com slash subscribe, and you can sign up to receive this in your inbox every Monday. And uh, we're just going to talk about a couple of highlights of the, the, the things that are on the written version of the newsletter. And hopefully you're going to like what we have to offer. So talked about the op-ed. That's fine. Okay. Yes. Great. So for our paid subscribers, uh, the first Friday of every month, we're going to be releasing our new wallpaper pack based upon the most traffic, the most visited, and the most interested uh, review on the website. In this case, for the month of August 2023, it's Robotech Rick 100 number one. So if you are a paid subscriber, you would have already gotten that email that's going to have a download link where you can download the zip file and it has all the variant covers all resized into different uh, shapes and sizes for wallpapers and that is not a paid that's not a paid gift so if anybody's worried about copyrights what have you that is just us saying thank you for being a paid subscriber which is goes towards helping us keep the site running and so if you're interested in being a paid subscriber um we're offering a 30-day free trial there's a link in the uh, newsletter so give that a click and we'd love to have you on board Next up, surprise. Last week, we talked about the poll results for which uh, platform was going to have the audio version of this newsletter as a podcast. If you're more interested in podcasting, you are for video. And the winner was Google Podcast. But when he said, you know what, why not? We're just going to go for all of them. So now the audio version of this, of this uh, newsletter is going to be submitted as a podcast to all the major podcast platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible. If there's not one on the list, let us know. And we'll get it added as long as it's not a big deal. And so there you go. So there's no excuse <laughs> for you not hearing the the dulcet tones of my uh, sultry mature voice. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's a good thing for everybody. But if not, maybe we'll find a, a better uh, VA in the future to, to to read these off. Okay, so let's talk about the weekend reviews. Uh, first off, we have Gargoyle by Moonlight, One Shot, and Gloaming Volume Volume One. These are two indie submissions, and they were both pretty decent, pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, Draculina, Blood Simple number five from Dynamite. That is a penultimate issue leading into uh, the, the, the number six, which will be the final issue. And to be honest with you, I have no idea how it's going to end. It's Christ Christopher Priest, who's not a fan of telling a straightforward story. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Scorch number 21. This is where the uh, the, the battle for um, uh, battle against Terminus and the Planet Eaters is really starting to heat up with a pretty big battle, although it was a pretty vanilla battle but it was a pretty good one. Uh, our pick of the week, Conan the Barbarian number two. Titan is killing it. They've gotten back to Conan's roots uh, with um, violence. It's bloody, gory violence, a little bit of spicy sexiness in there too, and some really grim, gritty, fantastic art. Our pick of the week, Conan the Barbarian number two from Titan Comics. If you're a Conan fan, 
you're going to be really happy. Uh, Grim Spotlight Zodiac versus Hydra. This is a little bit of a tie-in to the Year of Lovecraft, that, which is starting to wrap up. Hunt, Kill, Repeat, number six from Mad Cave. Okay, this is the end of the first arc, and it's a banger. Uh, Artemis comes in to have her final confrontation with Zeus, with her son, who she now realizes is still alive. Uh, at the at the in the middle of that conflict, and it, it ends on a uh, it ends it ends, but it doesn't end on a happy note. I'm not going to spoil it, but read the review, but also pick up the comic. That was a close second for our pick of the week. Conan edged it out, but Hunt Kill Repeat number six was a close second. Elvira in Monsterland number four. Elvira goes to Monster Island from Toho. So if you're a Godzilla kaiju fan, this is the issue to pick up. I've really been enjoying the series, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's horror comedy. So if you're into that sort of thing, you're going to like this one a lot. Nature's Labyrinth number six from Zach Thompson and also Mad Cave Studios that wraps it up. They had a six month hiatus and I presume that it could have been for printing problems or whatever else, but whatever happened, uh, Zach Thompson used the time to kind of tighten up the ending and make it make sense. And he sort of did that. So it's done and we'll, we'll move on. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales volume two, number 75. This actually wraps up Xenoscope's uh, Year of the Love of Lovecraft with the final battle to either stop or maybe they don't stop uh, Cthulhu from being released from the Mountains of Madness in his ancient prison. Uh, Siren's Gate number four. This is also from Shannon Mayer, which is his first full comic, also from, from Dynamite Comics. Uh, there was a long hiatus on this one as, as well, and I think they used that time wisely to tighten up the story and make a little, make a little bit more sense, so that's a good one there. And Deja Thoris volume four, which I've already <laughs> talked about in the op-ed, so we're just gonna, we're gonna let that one lie. <laughs> So if you see anything here that you like, please, uh, there's a share button in the newsletter. Please give that one a click and share it with your friends and family and everyone, your coworkers. Let them know that we're trying our best to create the best comic review site possible. So uh, please give that button a click. So let's talk about what's coming up next week. Because it is a holiday week, we're going to be a little bit shorter. Give everybody a break, some time to rest and reflect, me, myself included. Uh, so we're, it's a shorter list, but it's a good list. We have Heat Seeker, a Gun Honey series number three from Titan Comics. That one's been doing pretty good so far. Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, Volume 3, Number 1 from Dynamite. So we're bringing Sheena back. I have no idea what it's about, so I'm looking forward to it. Sacrifices, Number 2 from Image. This is the Rick Remender um, fantasy story that had, the first issue was uh, pretty amazing. So that was a pick of the week. I'm, I'm curious to see if the second issue is, is just as good. Kill Your Darlings, Number 1 from Image Comics. Uh, this is a kid horror. It's horror with children and it, the cover looked pretty bloody. So we're going to put it on the list, see how that pans out. Uh, Van Helsing, the horror beneath from Zenoscope. Uh, that's another one shot. Uh, I'm not sure if they're still in the, in the Lovecraft era or not. Maybe this is a new story. We'll see how that goes. Crusader number one from Mad Cave Studios. This is uh, based on, this is a comic about uh, crusaders in, uh, in the in medieval times or in the dark ages, if you will. And then cults number one from blood moon comics. So, that is it for our video newsletter for today. It is uh, Monday, September 4th. Happy Labor Day 2023. Uh, we hope you enjoy your Monday. Have some barbecue, rest, relax, have some fun. Please like, share, comment, subscribe below. Uh, leave us a comment. I want to know how we can make this better for you because we do this for you, not for us, for you, because it takes a lot of work. So uh, leave a comment. Let us know how we can do better. Um, please share this with friends, families, coworkers, and everyone in between. And uh, this is Gabe Hernandez signing off. Have a fantastic day.